Welcome, everybody, to the Preparing for the Possibility podcast. And today we have with us Laura Herring. Laura is the founder of the Impact Group, uh, and we're going to let her tell us a lot more about that. But Laura also wrote a book in not too long ago. How long? 2015. 15, called No Fear Allowed. And uh, it's a lot about her career. She was a very successful entrepreneurial woman in the years when being an entrepreneur as a woman was something new. Right. So uh, we welcome you today. Thank you. It's great to be here. And why don't you tell us a little bit, Laura, about what prompted you to write a book called No Fear Allowed? Well, I think the number one reason was I had retired and it's like, oh my gosh, I was too young to retire. I was 60. And how am I going to share these ideas with people about starting a business, taking a risk with business, and things I learned? What would I do differently? So I just started writing chapters. And I started doing it chronologically. And then I met an editor who said, no, no, no. Just talk about things that happen. Don't try to do it so perfectly. And that was the best advice. Don't try to do things perfectly. Just get started. Oh, great advice. Great advice for many aspects of life, actually. Just get started. So you were CEO of a company that um, grew from you as an employee to today hundreds of people. Yeah, I think there are 400 employees in over 57 countries. Wow, that's quite a story. Quite a story. So was becoming a CEO something you thought about as a child? No, never really. I really wanted to be an actress, as you well know. (laughs) And it was just so much fun. And yet I couldn't sing and I couldn't dance, so that cut me out of three quarters of the roles. So what I did was I asked myself one question, which was my mission in life. How can I make a positive difference? So I started out in teaching, and then I saw kids failing, and so I became a counselor. And then I saw families failing, so I became a psychologist. And what I found interesting as a psychologist, people would walk in and I'd say, hmm, can I really help them? And so what I would do is I'd look up some of the best teachers in the world. And my secret to success, I believe, is I studied with the best. I didn't care what it cost. I would work till I saved for a six-week workshop with Virginia Satir, with the pollsters out in California. Um, I, I just had this passion for learning and imitating, and that's where the acting came in. Interesting. Yeah. It was, because I yeah. would watch what they did, how they said it, and once you start mimicking methodology and tonality and whatnot, you go, I think I can do this. I can honestly say that anyone could walk in my door today and I could make a difference in their lives. I could help them change to be who they want to be. Really interesting. So when you were growing up, did you feel like your your parents had any influence on, on you becoming a successful CEO? Or was it something that just... I would of- say they tremendously influenced me to be successful. I remember dinner conversations. My parents, with my mother in particular, said, you could be anything you want, but you damn well be the best at whatever it is. And I think that's why I 
to this day continue to learn because I know what I don't know. Yes, always, always critical for any yeah. leader, any yeah. leader at all. And to be honest, I would say it's one of the things that if I had to do things differently as a CEO, I didn't take enough of my former lessons learned about studying with the best. I would have gone to Harvard Business School for a six-week management program. I would have gotten into the executive MBA program, except it wasn't started yet. I mean, I'm 70 years old, and there were a lot of things that really weren't available then to women entrepreneurs. So I didn't translate the idea of learning to be the best. I was just trying to survive as a CEO, business, 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 get more clients, get more clients. Mm -hmm. And that worked because the company I founded, Impact Group, did become eventually the number one in the world and continues to be. So being the best was because of my mom, but also the drive came from my father. My father was an athlete and an actor, by the way, and his athleticism passed down to me, and he would say to me, drive towards the basket. Whatever your goal is, drive towards the basket. He was talking about basketball, but internally I translated that, drive towards your goal. Right, right. And I was very fortunate. I'd set a goal and I'd meet it. So that part of me as a psychologist studying with different people, mm -hmm. I would set goals and I wouldn't be happy till I checked them off. Like today, when you and I were talking, I had a list of five things I had to get done today. Right. And, okay, I got those done. I could be here and relax. Very good. Yes. So what about as a, as a teenager? If you were to look back on your own years, let's say pre-career, you know, before you actually started your first role, I guess, as a teacher, looking back on that, do you... Would you advise young women to do some things the way you did them, different than you did them? What, what kind of advice would you have for pre-career women today? I think the most important thing you can do is believe you can do it, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Don't second-guess yourself. And or if you do, give yourself second, third, fourth chances. So just I, because you fail once, oh, yeah. go back and try again. <laughs> I think your book has a lot of that. Of course, I've read your book, and yeah. it is a lot about failure, but picking yourself up after you've had a failure and try again. Do you know, after Mike and I got married, my first job after teaching was I felt the need to work. And so I didn't know anything about job hunting. And I looked in the paper, and door-to-door -door salesperson for educational courses. I said, oh, I could do that. Well, remember those on the back of match covers? And it said, do you want to become an artist? Study at night. Right. It was literally door to door, Sharon. And I didn't even know what a bad job it was until my boss said to me, Laura, our boss is flying in from uh, Washington to meet you. B 
because we've never given such bad leads to somebody who closes them. <laughs> Very good. So, so and I didn't know that it was a bad lead. So that how would you translate that for a, a teenage girl today? Don't think you have to know it all. Just keep trying to succeed. And succeed can mean learning mathematical equations. Succeed could be learning history. Success is defined by what allows you to feel most confident. Very good, yeah. And confidence is something that we with uh, ABC to CEO talk a lot about because we find that young women um, often are sometimes are lacking in confidence. So things you can do to build confidence yeah. is critical to the person you become. I would say find one thing that you're good at and really get good at it. I had several things, and I was blessed because of my dad, but basketball. I was a really good basketball player but not at the beginning. Right. You had to keep working at it. Oh, my gosh. I'd come home from school and shoot 100 baskets. Right. And there's this old joke that the coach says, go shoot 100 baskets and visualize them. Don't even shoot. Just visualize them. And at the end, the coach would say, well, how many did you make? He said, oh, about 50-50. And the coach said, you could have visualized all of them going <laughs> Right, right. So what I would say is visualize yourself doing everything well. Mm-hmm. And it has something called neurological um, pathways in your brain. If you visualize doing it over and over and over again, that pathway becomes permanent. And all of a sudden, you're doing what you set out to do. Because, you know, you believe and because you're able. Because you believe and you've created a a neurological system that says you're on the right path. And I think I remember as a young girl, my first idea of a role model was my Aunt Marge, who was the first woman vice president of McCrory's in New York. I wanted to dress like her. I was all of 12. And it's just little things. Find role models. And my business role model was my Aunt Marge, but I didn't even know what she did. I just knew she had beautiful dresses and perfect shoes. Well, that was a role model then. (laughs) It was a role model. And some people would say how shallow that is. But my mother wore house coats. And many of you don't even know what that was. In the 50s, they put a coat over your clothes to clean the house in and stuff like that. And I only saw her get dressed up for church. And I wanted to look nice all the time. Right. So you worked with, obviously, lots of women over the years. What do you see as some of the pitfalls that women kind of get themselves into during they their give careers? Up. They give up. Hmm. They, they think, I can't do that. Or it's too much work. Or... I can't beat Sharon. She's so good at what she does. So I'll do this, which is a lesser path than what you're on. Um, So I would say, young girls, don't compare yourself. Decide who you want to be and practice being that. This is true. When I first started, I had no sales experience except knocking on the doors selling matchstick courses, you know. 
And I just said to myself, these people really want to improve their lives. My goal is to help them improve their lives. By selling, is it encyclopedias? No, no, it was selling uh, courses before there was online. Home study courses. Okay. So art courses, um, math courses. uh, There was even computer courses. And this is when I quit, when some man said, well, what... What languages do the computers that we work on uh, work in? I said, oh, English. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he said, I meant Cobalt or... Fortran. Had yeah. no idea. And I said, okay, you don't know your stuff. You're not really helping them. Go find something else. Yeah. Well, so if you, if you were to sit down with parents today... And you talked about your parents, but what are the things you really think that if you had a 10-year-old granddaughter today, I know you do have a granddaughter, a little bit younger than that, but... uh, Seven years old. Seven years old. So what things do you think are important for that age group to be learning about a career if someday they want to be the leader of an organization? You can't always teach them about the things you would if you're in college, but a 10-year-old, what would you go after? Well, I'm going to use a few examples. When Kennedy first came into my life, she was four years old. So I had to think of things that a four-year-old would enjoy. And there were two things that she loved to do. One was look in the mirror and sing. The second was she loved baking. So every time we were together, I spent time with her, showing her, let's put this record on. I put on West Side Story. I'd get lots of jewelry. i put on one of my skirts over her and roll it up. And I said, let's sing in the mirror, because she loved looking at herself. And I would just reinforce it. I said, you're so good at this. Look how good a dancer you are. Look how good a... So you're not raising them to be a CEO. You're teaching them to practice something they love. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was basketball. Every night after school and every night after my dad got home, I would go out and ask him to shoot baskets with me or one-on-one. And we would do that for a half hour to an hour. Mm -hmm. And he would not be always nice to me. He'd get angry with me. But I knew his intent His intent was to make me the best. Mm -hmm. And I became all-star at uh, eighth grade. I was all-city champion and most valuable player in the high school. So you reach some of those goals, and then you start setting career goals for yourself. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to a parent, spend time with your children and tell them how capable they are. Tell them what a good learner they are. Feed their imagination. Ask them what else is possible. Give them opportunities to play, but develop a skill set. Right. So it's about learning skills, Sharon, is what I would say. I was good at math. Um, I was good at languages. Loved to travel. And I think all of that comes into play. I was the only spouse and family program that went overseas. 
I started London, office in London, in Geneva, in Shanghai, Singapore. Okay. And that's when no one was doing international. But I had, as a junior in college, saved enough money to go over to Vienna to study and learning how to survive. I really had no money, and it was kind of funny because I ate off of everyone else's plate. And they, we just had our 50th reunion, and they remember the only dress I had because my suitcase didn't come till March. And um, they, they say, Laura, two things remember about you. You were shameless. You could care less that you wore that gray jumper Every, every day, day. <laughs> and that you ate off of our plates every day. That's pretty funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And, and it's because I had to survive, and what am I going to do? Right. Well, it probably was a skill that served you well. It got you through a lot of time in business when survival was kind of on the edge there, as yes. your book tells. So we're almost out of time, but is there anything else you would like to, to share for those who listen to this Preparing for the Possibility podcast. What I would say to parents is don't point out all your children's faults. Point out their possibilities. Point out their capability. And then challenge them. My mother was really wonderful in that she insisted that I learn how to sew. And that served me well for the first eight years of our marriage until... I started earning some money in private practice. I made every one of my dresses that I taught in. Uh, my first interview was a polyester pink up to my thigh. And I just thought to myself, thanks, Mom, for teaching me how to sew. Right. So give them opportunities to succeed and listen to them. Great. Those are words of advice for everybody throughout life. There's always people that we can learn from, I think is the bottom line. Yeah, and I think parents need to embrace the fact that you don't have to tell your child at 10, don't forget, you could be a CEO. Teach them that they can learn and they need to continue learn in life and to take the opportunities to lead. And I was very blessed that I got to be president of my eighth grade class, president of my sophomore class, president of my freshman college, because my parents told me, you're a leader. Always step up to the plate to lead. Great. Great advice. Laura, thank you for your time today. This was fun. I think this is a great idea that you're doing. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to be here. And uh, with that, we will sign off. 